<laughs> Nothing's rolling. There's We're reels. Rolling. There's reels. There's reels. We're videoing all of this. Digital reels. This is, yeah. Okay. All right. I see how that works. Uh, welcome to episode two of Cinebabble. Uh, I'm tapping the table again because that's a nervous tick that I do. Clint points and shakes his head. If we were really rolling, you'd be able to see that. But instead, you just have to imagine his disappointment. Uh, uh, we are your hosts. I am Kenny Brown, and this is uh, Clint Jones. Hello. And uh, we just decided one day, hey, movies are a thing. Uh, there's not enough people talking about them. But there's not. There's <laughs> not. Uh, I looked and I searched for podcasts, and I typed in the word movies, and it came back and it said, there are no movie podcasts. You should definitely jump in and do something about that. Yeah, we're filling that void. Yeah, absolutely. So... <laughs> We'll see how it goes, but I don't know. Episode two. Episode two is actually kind of episode five if you count our three experimental episodes. Yeah. So should it be five or I don't know. two? But experimental episodes makes them sound so much more. That's true. You might there you might know, be something wild like, going on. We're really this. subverting the podcast formula uh, with our experiment episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't blow your mind. Moving podcasts forward. <laughs> progressive podcast yeah and getting video getting movies out there more <laughs> yeah because there's just there's not enough money in hollywood and, and they just need some more so we're yeah. doing our part yeah they can pass some of those bucks along to us if they want absolutely well now it's time for my absolute favorite thing in the world currently uh what you watching about willis what you watching about? clint what you watching about oh <laughs> eventually I'm, we won't laugh when when we say no, that i think we'll always be kind of cracking up at that a little it's bit kind of amazing yeah oh okay well uh watch <laughs> i can't say it what you what you watch about what i what i watch <laughs> what i've been watching about this past week um well the first thing is i watched a new series that just showed up on netflix I think it's been up maybe a week or two. It's called Living With Yourself. Okay, I saw uh, I saw the trailer for that. Yeah, and it has Paul Rudd. He's the main character. And the main premise of this, I don't want to go into it too deeply because I feel like there's anything, if you dive into, too, into it too much, it's going to give away what's at the heart of it. Um, what's like the two-sentence... I was looking up what the promotional thing was and trying to see what they were pitching it as. And it's mainly a guy who's unhappy with his life, unhappy with love. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And uh, generally kind of miserable. Is trying to find a solution to kind of get a little pep in his step. And he is told by a coworker about this spa that really helped him out. He, he was around the office and he was acting differently. So he's like, hmm, maybe I should go give that a shot. So Paul Rudd's character, Miles, decides to go to the spa and give it a shot. And there's a result to that that he was not expecting. <laughs> is this like hilarity ensues or is this more dramatic? Is it, it dark? It's It kind of gave me like a Charlie Kaufman kind of feel, oh, okay. like Eternal Sunshine. Okay. Um, being John Malkovich, um, okay. not maybe not exactly like that, but it's kind of got that tone where there's humor to it, but there's a darkness, and kind of gets to the heart of who the who the people are and what they are all about. And uh, I found it really good. I, I really liked it. Now you were the one that had recommended Prince Avalanche to me, right? Yeah, way back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. 
which if you have not seen Prince Avalanche, it's fantastic. Yeah. It also has Paul Rudd and who who is the um <sighs> Emil Hirsch. Yeah. Yeah. Um I just rewatched that a couple of months yeah. ago. Uh, and it's it's one of those movies I go back to every now and then. Yeah, I love that movie. So, okay. Um, but it's really good, and I, I think it's worth just checking out and not have me like dive into it too yeah. much. Okay. Um, by I mean by the half of the first episode, you know what's happening, but yeah. I don't I don't want to give anything away. All right. Yeah. What else have you been watching? Um, I watched this movie called The Love Witch on Amazon. The Love Witch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's not about a sandwich with a heart of gold. Oh, no. That's a missed opportunity. <laughs> sandwich cinematic filmmakers out there. <laughs> it's stop motion sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. Falling in love, mm-hmm. finding life get... together, having little witch babies. Yeah, they get on Tinder, whatever whatever the sandwich mm. version of Tinder is. <laughs> All right, so what's this thing about? Um, well, I kind of, I, I, it was one that's like on uh, Amazon that was recommended to me or was like a new a new releases movie. And um, I think it came out this past year. Okay. But it's done in the style of like a cheesy, campy 60s horror. I saw, like I saw the promo for yeah. this. I saw the trailer or whatever yeah. for and that. And that's what grabbed me. At first I was like, okay. oh, what the love witch. That, I'm not sure about that. But it then, looked like a legitimate late 70s. Yeah, yeah like, er, like late 60s, early 70s horror movie, like schlocky, um, like British horror movie, Technicolor. And I was really surprised by it. And hmm. it was... It, you have to get into the mindset of it being from that time period because they stick to that like just completely like the acting the music like the sets everything do they do it well is it one of those things where they sort of stumbled into that and then they're now saying oh this no, is no 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 they it's, were intentionally it's so intentional and they do it so well but the funny thing about it too, it too is that it's set everything looks like that but it's also in the modern times because people have cell phones oh, and there's some cars are normal like some characters have normal like they're the a friend of the love witch her mm-hmm. she's driving like a bmw around but and i was first like thinking like is this intentional or the budget just wasn't there to have every character in like a um classic car mm-hmm. or, but it was completely intentional because mm-hmm. the the themes that they deal with it's like about she's the main premise of it is she's this witch and she's trying to find love and she's doing potions and trying to seduce men through these potions and spells that she's casting on them and it always goes horribly wrong and it never works to the intention that she was meaning for it to go and uh so it's dealing with like uh feminism and um love in kind of like a modern way and what it means to like as a woman not me speaking well, i mean a, you're speaking i not speaking I, I, from experience but like a woman <laughs> like trying to give a man what they want mm-hmm. and um I, I thought it was really interesting okay. and it's it's there's a lot at the center of it okay. and um they do the 60s thing so well and once you get into the the flow of oh they're they're doing this acting and it's really interesting well and i could tell by the trailer like oh they're really committed yeah. to uh the style that they're going yeah. for here and, and that was really interesting and i i even had more respect for it after the kind of researching it a little bit because i i just kind of threw it on in a whim mm-hmm. and the director 
who um, did it, her name is Anna Biller. I think it's her second feature. But she wrote, directed, uh, produced, edited, did all the music for it. She did all the set designs. Like she built like everything for wow. it. And that, like, I was blown away. Well, and that's something with the digital age that's become a thing where (laughs) somebody that's just really talented can put together an entire production or or a small group of people even. Yeah, but Um, she, they, I was reading in the Wikipedia and they, um, they did it on film and mm -hmm. it was like one of the last, I don't know what it was trying to say. It was saying something about it was one of the last um, stock 35 millimeter films. so they didn't shoot digitally at all. Yeah, they did it on film. Oh, wow. Yeah, which was really interesting. Really committed then. To yeah, the... they were completely committed, and I really thought that was great. That um, is cool. Yeah. I like that. And everyone just really sticks to their, gu- <coughs> sticks to their guns on um, just that style, and it's really interesting. I thought you were about to say sticks to their gum and just go real pun territory. <laughs> like, wow. No. Really stick to their gum. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I missed out. That That's okay. That was my pun laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that ever again. No, I won't. Okay. Uh, I'm professional straight number one. Out. Yeah. That's okay. It's all right. Uh, what else are you watching? <laughs> so I watched... Um, I uh, My brother was talking about this film. and you I Now, just for some backstory, your brother has very different movie tastes from you. Yes? Is that a fair statement? Well, they overlap. And okay. then there's some things where he enjoys them certain films a little bit more than I do. Okay. Um, so I checked out this film. I'm not sure if you've ever seen it, but uh, The People Under the Stairs. Mm. Like classic People Under the, the Stairs? This isn't some weird they remade it's it. It's or... the Wes Craven oh, one okay. from with the 90s. I just watched this recently. What would you think? It was not what I was expecting <laughs> at all. Okay. Have you, had you seen it before? Yes. Was... I, had, okay. I had watched it when I was young, and I remember getting very creeped out by it. Yeah. And then I came back to it. What yeah. was your this was your first time? Yeah. What was your impression? It was fun, but I um I think if I had seen it earlier in my life, I might have been into it a little bit more. I was just thrown off by the like I thought the premise of it was there it was like kind of a typical like haunted house thing mm-hmm. and then they find out there was like people buried under the stairs right there right there in the, ter- in yeah. the title. Yeah. And I think I was just going from the title and I okay. I didn't know anything about it actually yeah but i thought it was pretty fun uh, now did it feel dated or was it timely in any way there's or? some music in it that's pretty yeah. dated i think there's huh. some like hip-hop like the whole movie ends in like a hip-hop breakdown and i, I thought that was well time. wes craven yeah. and spike lee at the time they were just <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't even know where i want to go with that <laughs> i just love the idea of wes craven uh god rest his soul yeah <laughs> just kind of like you know what this movie needs more of more hip-hop more hip-hop yeah with creatures living under the stairs Absolutely. i think of hip-hop all right is it, so was it worth your time yeah watching? it was fun i don't regret okay. watching it i don't i wouldn't stick that in my top tier of horror movies but okay. it, it was it was interesting to see it unfold and like oh that's what this movie is but the one thing i just kept like going back to and thinking of was the casting in it with um it has like the two characters from Twin Peaks who are husband and wife. Yep. Um, Wendy Robbie, who plays Nadine and uh, Nadine, and Everett McGill, who plays Big Ed. And I was just like, what was the idea? Like, they saw all of them on Twin Peaks and were like, oh, they'll work. Let's yep. stick them in there. <laughs> They're free. <laughs> They're in town. Let's put them in. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was 
I just kept getting caught up on that. Yeah. You watch anything else, or are those your? No, I, I mean I've seen. Yeah, those are on? yeah the um, living oh. with yourself kind of took up a lot of time. It was a whole series, but okay. yeah, I, I really yeah all of them were fun to watch. Um, well, what have you been watching? <laughs> what have you been watching? What have you been watching? Clint, what you watching about? There you go. We made a segment, Clint. <laughs> Got a the title's right there. We can't oversay it, but what you watching about? <laughs> what you watching about, Ken? Uh, I was avoid a, saying it because I just keep getting tongue tied. It's but that makes it better. It really okay. does. What you watching about? Which, Ken? <laughs> uh, I just started the fourth season of The Good Place, uh, which is its last season, mm-hmm. sadly. Uh, but The Good Place is always a delight. Uh, it it just has me uh, in smiles the whole time. And uh, this season, uh, they pick up basically where uh, Ted Danson is is handing off the reign of things to Kristen Bell's character. And once again, they just they find a way to do something different with essentially the same premise every season. Because every season, they're just stuck in this place. And they just, I, I don't know how they mine that for creative gold. <laughs> but they do. And it's just, it's genius. Yeah. I, I love it so much. Uh, especially Jason. Uh, the character of Jason is just once upon a time when Will Ferrell would make me laugh on Saturday Night Live just by looking <laughs> at his face and his expressions. That is the character of Jason. I yeah. just, every time he walks on screen, I'm like, please, please say something dim-witted. Make me so happy right now. Yeah. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I don't know exactly where they're going with it, but uh, they seem to have a plan. And I hope since they know that it's their last season, they have a really good... Uh, way to wrap it up that kind of ends it on a, a big note i think that'll be a lot of fun just to see what they come up with yeah especially since i mean it's ending after four seasons yeah. you would think that they maybe had a game plan from the beginning yeah. that like this is the end point so uh you know yeah. philosophical uh comedy of errors <laughs> if that's a thing yeah the good place is it mm-hmm. so i've been watching that uh also uh because the Watchmen series hit hbo uh, in addition to watching that first episode, uh, which we're going to talk about in a separate uh, podcast, uh, I went back and watched the Zack Snyder um, opus, yeah. or it's just Magnum, Watchmen, right. whatever. Uh-huh. Um, have you seen that recently? No, I haven't. I probably haven't watched it since it came out. What did you think of it when it when you first when it watched it? first came out, I really liked it, oh. but I... I don't know how I would feel now. I really, really enjoyed it. Like uh, this time around, or back no, then? the, the oh, first okay. time. I I remember gushing about yeah. it. I even wrote a review on Blu-ray uh, about how much, uh, just how great it was, and all of this. And I went back. It's still good. Yeah. Uh, but what I somehow missed before was the irony of here is this story about these very uh, blue-collar heroes in this world that's just very. Uh, gritty and naturalistic and Zack Snyder's style is not right gritty and naturalistic yeah and I had never noticed uh the the juxtaposition of those two things yeah and um especially after watching the new HBO series not to go into that but it had a much more down-to-earth feel to it right and going back and watching the Zack Snyder film just made it uh, more apparent how stylized and glossy it was, despite how dark it is, it's right. a very glossy dark. Yeah. Uh, and it still holds up. It's still good. I, I still really enjoyed it. Um, 
but it it definitely the critics of it who've called it pretentious or uh, self-involved or things like that i i can see that a little more than i think i did once upon a time uh-huh yeah I, it's been so long i can't remember much i i thought at the time it was a pretty faithful adaptation yeah. minus um what happens in the end yeah. but i th- thought the choices they made for even that was kind of interesting and to yeah. see it go that way but i i don't know how I feel about it if I watch it again. I think I'm just going to appreciate the HBO series. It seems to be approaching its characters from a, a much more down-to-earth dramatic direction instead of melodrama. Uh-huh. And the Zack Snyder version, you could really feel. And it's it's there in the pages of the, the graphic novel, too. Um, there's, there's a healthy dose of tragedy and melodrama there. Yeah. Like Greek melodrama. Mm. And uh, that's there in that movie, and I, I don't know that that's going to be there. Maybe that'll be in the series, but yeah, uh, it was it was worth watching. I'm consuming all things Watchmen this week. I've gone <laughs> back to the graphic novel. I went back and watched the movie. I watched the animated Tales from Under the Hood, and uh-huh. um, or not Tales from Under the Hood. Um, uh, you know, whatever the piratey one was that they animated, right. and then they did the Tales Under the Hood uh, from Under the Hood documentary uh-huh. or mockumentary that they did. So I've just been kind of soaking it all up. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Too much Watchmen on the brain. <laughs> then finally, uh, the last thing I've been watching this week is The Shining came out on 4K. Oh, yeah. And so 4K is already kind of a, I'm a video nerd and I can see the upgrade and the difference and things like that. But there's something about uh, when they release a movie that was not shot digitally mm-hmm. and it's been remastered in 4K. Uh, I had the same feeling 2001 came out on 4K. Uh, there's been a couple of things where, you know, from Kubrick or or from that era, uh, Alien came out, and it just looks phenomenal. And yeah. Shining looked incredible, uh, to the point that I was getting distracted by things like rug patterns and <laughs> wall textures. Uh-huh. And, uh, it was completely, you know, eventually I sunk in and just got into complete horror of it but for the the first solid hour i just oh it's a gorgeous print yeah um which may make you glaze over but (laughs) i didn't slightly yeah i didn't go to the shining to like oh it's 4k yeah i just got wrapped up in that but then eventually the filmmaking took over and it's just it's such a phenomenal movie it's still oh yeah it's one of my top five movies yeah i think the only thing every time i watch it there is a shot where he looks into a room and he sees all these skeletons uh-huh. and they're so clearly like high school drama production <laughs> skeletons dressed with cobwebs yeah. and bad clothes. It is the only shot in the entire movie that I just, I dread every time it's coming. because It's the one thing that yanks me out of that movie. That movie is near perfection except for there's just cheesy, awful skeletons. I don't care. <laughs> I can I I just love it. I just can look past any flaw in that movie for some I, reason. And I can and I yeah. do. I watch it, you know, every year <laughs> at this time. Um and enjoy it a little more each time. Yeah. Now, what are what are your thoughts on Doctor Sleep, which is coming out here in 2 weeks? I I was actually just talking to my brother about this. My brother's like the off-screen third part of this podcast, I feel cuz I bring him up so much. But anyway, he was asking my opinion about it. And I was like, I don't really have one. I haven't, because I haven't read the book. And I um, I like The Shining as this standalone thing where I 
don't really, I'm not sure if I want anything added on to it mm-hmm. or anything that's trying to deepen the lore. Uh, I, I'm so I'm curious about it, but I'm I'm also just kind of ambivalent. You didn't read the book. Correct? No, I did not read the book. Okay. Um, yeah, the book. I felt that way even after reading the book. The whole time I felt that way. Yeah. Where it was just, does this actually add to the story? And and I really I don't think it does. It's not it's not offensive. It's not yeah. harmful in any way to the original story. Uh, but it's just one of those things. I don't know that going back and visiting uh, Danny through the events that that unfold really make it that much more interesting. I I think The Shining works so much better as this grand haunted house. Yeah story uh whereas in dr sleep possible spoilers if you have no idea but i mean the trailer kind of makes it clear there are these strange vampire like creatures that feed off of people's essence uh who are rich in the shining Uh and it it feels like a very alien element to the shining universe if there is such a thing i mean i know all stephen king stories are are connected it works much better written i think because it's so much clearer that this is a part of the dark tower universe and this is part of the stephen king universe and so when you have this other element coming in it doesn't feel as alien as i think and i suspect it will to people who aren't stephen king hounds they're right. just fans of the shining i don't know that it functions yeah as a great sequel to the Shining. right and maybe it will yeah. maybe they've figured out if, if they've thought ahead and they've they've seen that same kind of thing and they approach the movie as, first and foremost, we have to, to be a sequel to a movie, not to a larger universe that isn't there on the screen for people. Maybe they'll pull that off. But Yeah, well, I, I was kind of in, like, fine with the idea until seeing the trailer. And it has so many direct ties to the original Shining. When I, I was fine with, okay, it's the character of Danny later in his life Mm -hmm. and he's dealing with these beings that feed off of your essence but when the trailer starts showing like direct ties to the overlook i i was like i'm not sure if i am into that idea and i um what was uh what was that steven spielberg movie the uh, oh, ready player one yeah where they have the the scene in the game where yeah and where it's they the shining it's recreation the shining recreation and I, I felt like slightly unnerved by that too it's just i i have this weird like feeling that this it's this holy thing that shouldn't be touched yeah and i i know that's kind of unreasonable to think of it that way but it's just how it was it's already kind of strange in Ready Player One because yeah. you're in the middle of this, essentially a kid's movie, yeah. an adventure in The Shining. Yeah. That's the classic Warner Brothers movie that you pick for... It's a pretty big sweet sequence, too. Yeah, it's, it's a very large... And I remember being impressed with kind of how they worked around the original footage and some of the recreation. Yeah. It was a very technical experience for me. Mm-hmm. I, I hated the idea, so I was yeah. just watching it from the... Oh, that's wow, they did that and how they put that there. and Right. That was interesting. I hope that I'm I'm not so disconnected from Dr. Sleep that that's what I'm sitting there doing. Oh, look, they really yeah. recreated the hotel yeah. there. I think that's the, the worst uh, result because then that really means that I'm just disengaged right. entirely. Yeah. Huh. And I don't know if that's, un- like, that's kind of unavoidable when you do things like that. I feel. Maybe. 
Well, and it's one of those things, The Shining is such a self-contained story. Even in the book world, nobody was begging for a sequel. Right. He had been talking about it for a long time, that he had this idea uh, for, you know, picking up a story as to what happens with Danny later in his life. But even with him teasing that, as far as I can tell, there wasn't this huge contingent of fans that were like, yes, please give us that story. I have to know. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. curious. Yeah. I'll go see it. And uh, I'll probably be dragged there with you. So <laughs> you will, you will, and we'll be disappointed together. Yeah, I always go into these things much more optimistic. You go in much more pessimistic. So it always feels like after the movie, you're like, "I told you," and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh no, I'm so heartbroken. I'm so disappointed. What happened? I don't know. I don't prepare myself well enough for these things. I'm I am not even at that point of being pessimistic about it. I I you just I, don't care. I just don't, I can see yeah, it all. Over your it's face. total ambivalence. I just like I, it's like okay, that's happening. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Anything else you're watching this week, or we should we get some movie reviews? I think there's probably been some things, but those were the main things that I felt like bringing up. All right, let's get some movie reviews. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, first up, uh, last week we had, we had talked about Netflix's, um, yeah, that's how important it was. I forgot it that quickly in, in the tall grass, in the tall grass. Now, uh, beneath the, in the tall grass is this other movie in the shadow of the moon, which sounds like they're a part of some series. They're not at all. Yeah. It's, they're not it's, related in any way. And it's not the documentary about the trip to the moon. No, no. No, it is not. And they try to make that clear because the the little title card for In the Shadow of the Moon has the back of somebody's neck with three puncture wounds in it. (laughs) So unless you think that early astronauts had to get some series of injections in their spine, uh, you probably are going to be able to separate the two. Uh, The premise of this movie is essentially uh, there's a a police detective uh, before he's a detective. Excuse me. He's He's like a a regular cop. cop, Beat cop. And uh, a serial killer is on the loose. Mysterious. And a mysterious uh, serial killer in a hoodie, a yeah. blue hoodie. And she's running around and stabbing people in the back of the neck with something. Uh, at some point later, after being stabbed by this device, uh, their brains essentially liquefy and uh, they die. And this cop is trying to figure out over, over the series of uh, decades... Uh, who this person is and and he's trying to track them and all sort of things Uh, there's no way to talk about this really without getting into spoilers so this is a time to leave if you uh if you must keep things uh really looking forward to in the shadow of the moon (laughs) you're a real shadow man if 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 in the shadow of the moon spoilers are going to break your weekend you know but uh really there's there's nothing to be spoiled here it is uh what'd you think of it you tell me first i well i i put this on randomly i saw it pop up on netflix and i was like i'll give that a shot and i didn't regret giving that a shot i thought it was a fine like it was a fine watch i i didn't have a problem with it but it just didn't really blow my mind in any way where i thought i'm gonna put that on a list where there were there were things i liked about it but yeah uh, I could have done without it. Could have done with it. Yeah. Could have done without it. I, either way. I thought there were some strong elements to it, for sure. I thought there's some... Um, the structure of the film is really clean and interesting, like how it, it just... how it moves through time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I thought it was relatively well acted. Like everyone, no one jumped out as being um, out of place to me. See, now explain that to me because I always have, I'm always trying to figure out how to articulate this idea. Uh And I always have a hard time with it. But there are certain movies where I completely forget that I'm watching actors. Yeah. There are other movies that are just so poorly acted, like it's a mess. Right. In the middle is this area where... Like, I recognize that the performances are good for the material that's there. Yeah. But I never forget that I'm watching actors act. Uh Uh-huh. Even down to uh, an actor will glance at a ceiling while riding in a car, and I'm like, that was a very specific choice. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, I'm completely disconnected. I I guess I'm just not uh, buying into the performances as much. Right. And I wish I could put my my finger on exactly what I'm trying to say there. But just, (laughs) man, some movies, I just feel like... I'm just watching people play parts. Yeah. And it, I don't know. This was one of them the whole time. Um, there are very few actors in this. And, and it, it's not, you know, against them. A lot of it comes down to costume designs or writing, screenwriting, all of that. Uh, just the way it's shot. There are times where it just feels like um, actors, the the scientist character. Right. Uh, is probably the most egregious example <laughs> of that in this. Where it's so clear that this is a guy just really doing his best with an underwritten kind of, you know, one note part. Uh, Who's the scientist character? Where is there a scientist? Raoul, the guy who, who invents the, uh, the time assassination, you call it. Wasn't he in it for like two seconds? No, he's in it for two <laughs> seconds. He's in the hallway, but then he comes back. He's the older man who invents the technology. Man, I, maybe I just completely... I don't... Did we watch... Were you watching the documentary? I might have. Early Moon Landings? Yeah, he becomes a major part. He's the one he kidnaps... Buzz Aldrin was in it, right? <laughs> he kidnaps the detective. He's got him in the van for like 10 minutes. When he cuts his the ropes. Oh, yeah, Cuts yeah. himself free on the dead pigs. You know, the evil scientist character. Who's not evil, but maybe evil, but I guess not because he's killing awful racists in the past. How am I forgetting this character? I, I just remember her. So, well, but so let's talk about that. Okay. Because we've talked about this a little bit off mic, uh, but I, I'm trying to figure this out too. Once upon a time when we were kids, you could go into the video store uh-huh. and there were two very distinct types of movies. There were the theatrical releases that have finally come to video. Yeah. And that's that's your your big movies, your important movies. And then there is this whole class of movie, the direct-to-video release. Uh-huh. And the direct-to-video release was always, every once in a while, you would find a real diamond in the rough kind of flick that was done low budget, but it was really good. And it didn't hit theaters. It just came out on video. But wow, what a find. 99% of movies, though, that were direct-to-video were just sludge. They were just different levels of sludge. Uh-huh. Some was fun sludge. Some was expensive looking sludge. But it was just And then there were Steven Seagal movies. <laughs> the fact that you put that in the third category <laughs> scares me a little. Because that was definitely in the sludge pile. No. It's... Uh, but, but there are these two very distinct. There is your big releases and your direct-to-video. Uh, that still exists. Those two categories. Yeah. Uh, you definitely still will find a lot of movies that have that direct-to-video feel, and you certainly still have theater movies. But the the theatrical releases have now divided into kind of your blockbuster camp and your indie camp. Your direct-to-video releases, 
uh, have somehow divided into your direct video with lots of money poured into them. Yeah. And they're part of a franchise. They're these weird franchise sequels. Or just, man, somebody had a dream and good on them. But oof. Oof. <laughs> but in the middle, there is this newly emerging third species of movie. And it's the Netflix originals. Yeah. It's the Amazon Prime originals. And it's these, the streaming services are starting to dip into uh, making movies. And they're not as bad as the direct-to-video sludge. But they still have a distinct feeling that you know this was not released in theaters. Yeah. And if it had been released in theaters, it would not have had an audience. It would have lost money. Um, and it's it's this weird third yeah. kind of thing. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I don't know if it's ambivalence or... Yeah, it might be because I feel like most of those movies, that's how I feel coming away from them were like... Like I said, I don't regret watching that, but I would have been fine if I didn't see it. But do you not regret watching it because it's part of something you're already paying for? So it almost feels... Because like to me, after I watched this, I, I, I didn't feel like I'd wasted money. It, it was almost like I had watched a free movie. Yeah. Because I'm already paying for Netflix, so my brain thinks of it differently. I'm yeah. paying for the service. I'm not paying for this individual movie. I think even, say, with this movie, if I had seen it in the theater, I would have felt the same way. Mm -hmm. I would have been like, oh, I wish I didn't spend my money on that. Yeah. But I, I think the overall... I think most of the time when I go into a theater, I don't even um, register that I had spent money on it at a certain point. It's just like, okay, I did that as my admission. So I don't even think of that in any movie, really. I'll come away like it doesn't play into my thought process if I liked a movie or hated it. Hmm. Um, so a movie like this, I would have probably felt the same way coming out where I was like, ah, that wasn't great, but whatever. <laughs> and maybe the, maybe the future is one day it will continue to shift and suddenly you have uh, the MCU popping up on something like Netflix, completely original. Just yeah. like, where did that come from? I don't know if it ever gets to that point. I don't know. Do you ever think there's a time where there's not a theatrical experience? I I hope there's not a time when that happens. I, I, I really enjoy the experience of going to see, like certain films really lend themselves to being seen on the big screen. Um, even like, well, what I was going to say is I hope that in this middle ground that happens on Netflix or Amazon where the money is being spent on films like this, where it's this lower level of like an action film where it might have not done as well in the big theater. I hope this money goes towards like a really auteur, like indie director who has a vision, but it doesn't need a lot of money, but it's more money than a normal um, studio will want to give them to get it in the big screen. Yeah. And I can almost see it like a minor league baseball team kind of thing where I could definitely see, it doesn't matter what the movie is. If the cinematography is amazing, I could see somebody higher up in that theatrical category saying, Oh, get me that cinematographer. Yeah. Get me who did that music. Get me that director. That director showed some real promise. If they would have had a cast and a budget, let's see what they would have done or, uh, you know, I don't know if a lot of these just turn into almost training ground 
for some of these earlier filmmakers or a way for some of the large studios to weed through um, almost like candidates. Yeah. Oh, here's somebody that has real promise. Let's pluck them up to the big leagues. Let's take them up and, and let them really play with some money and some some opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see something like that happen, but um, I feel like a lot of these films that are in this middle ground are made by directors who have made bigger movies, but for some reason they're choosing to do it this way. Yeah. Like what was that movie by um, the guy who did moon? Um, oh, um, mute, mute, mute moon. It just occurred to me. <laughs> Yes. Single syllable words yeah. that start with M. Doug Jones. Yeah. That's his. Doug Jones. Mute. Mute. Where he's had larger success on the big screen. Yeah. And um, I don't, maybe it was just because of the quality of that script. He couldn't get anyone to make it. But you would maybe. think since he has made some movies that, that he might have been able to, under his good grace, get it made and not do it through Netflix. But, but then does that limit somebody like a Doug Jones? So let's say you have this thing that can't be made. And it's being rejected, but a Netflix picks it up. Well, now you spend a year making mediocre film. Right. Instead of realizing, okay, this didn't cut it. I need to up my game and put out something better. Yeah. Does it hold back a filmmaker like that? Or if it, they're not getting enough money to make it the way they wanted to. It so just they're... gives them the opportunity to toil in their lesser ideas. Right. Yeah. And so instead of pushing them to... That's, keep keep inventing and keep yeah and push that less that idea that wasn't clicking off to the back burner yeah. and move on to something maybe more exciting yeah like that's true because i mean like i said it would be instead of them filling that space with some idea that's half <laughs> half cooked let's give it to a like an independent because there's so many times where those independent um directors are proving themselves through a passion project and then mm -hmm. they go on to make or get picked up to make a larger film say like um um what's his name the guardians of the galaxy and james gunn, james gunn. and because his films were smaller up until that point and well marvel's done that a lot yeah uh, they've plucked out uh what's his name uh that did um mark webb yeah uh that did cop car mm -hmm. and somehow they saw in cop car oh let's give this guy spider-man right and that's very interesting to me uh yeah. they did the same thing with kugler and black panther and regardless of how the superhero movie turns out um it's it's still something where it's like oh let's take this person and let's see what they can do in a, in a larger sandbox right i don't know it's uh it's interesting to me yeah well so in the shadow of the moon, in the shadow of the moon uh, is you know, if you if you I must. wish I could remember the scientist character. <laughs> I can't believe, yeah, you didn't you didn't really watch this movie. Your opinion no longer counts. I can't believe you don't remember the scientist character. I mean, I really liked that poster with the three prong thing. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. He made that. I remember there being a scientist, but I remember him being integral to the plot. Really, I remember them like showing him at the end, yeah. like. That, yeah, there's a couple times throughout. He's the one that invents the little plunger thing. He invents time him? travel. He invents, Is he an actor? An actor of Indian descent. Oh, I remember now. Oh, oh. That... So race. As soon as I throw race out there, now I see him. Well, works. yeah, because everyone else is just a white guy. Well, not Boheme Woodbine. 
Well, the I'm main sorry. character and his Bohemian brother-in-law. Always sounds like something that you buy at like the the tractor supply store. I just need to go pick up some. Who's Bohemian being offensive Woodbine. now? <laughs> I'm, it's, it has nothing to do with it's just his name. It's just Boheem Woodbine. He was great in Fargo. Yeah, but I'm not a big fan of his. So. Well, I'm sure he's a fine fellow. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anywho, in the shadow of the moon. I remember him now. Yes. It's <laughs> worth. Yeah, it's worth checking it and out. forget entire characters. That's that's good too. It was a couple of weeks ago that I watched it. See, it's it, fresh on my mind. Uh, when did you watch it? Last night. Okay. Yeah, you got a leg right up there. on me then. I'll forget characters in two weeks too. Yeah, I watched it like three weeks ago. I know you told me to watch it. Yeah. You said it with warning eyes, like, watch it. No. <laughs> I don't regret watching it. Okay. Yeah. Well, next movie uh, is Ad Astra. Uh, this is one we went. It was just recently in theaters, probably still in there. Brad Pitt stars as a, an astronaut uh, or a astronaut adjacent fellow. I don't know if he's actually an astronaut. He's some sort of special this or that that works in space yeah he's been to space numerous times sure i don't know at this point in time they're he's got some pedigree yeah and he gets called up because there is some strange electronic pulse that is threatening earth and they find out that uh his his father may be the the cause of this uh at the other end of the uh the solar system so he has to set off to uh figure out what's going on possibly stop his father if his father's gone rogue uh, what'd you think of this one? I really enjoyed this film. Actually, I, and I, it was more in hindsight that I appreciated it too. Kind of a, a opposite feeling of that I had for Joker where it, it kind of Soured. blackened, blackened. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I re- and I wish I had actually got to go and see it in the theater again while I was in town, because I think knowing where it was going and the, tapping into the tone of what it was, I think I would have enjoyed it more mm-hmm. um, because I was trying to kind of recalibrating the entire time. Like, oh, okay, this is the tone of it. There's, um, this is the look of it. And I, I feel like it took me a while to get into the flow of it. Well, and I kept thinking, and, and this goes into the ending, so spoiler warning. Uh, I kept thinking it was going towards this big revelation, this big idea uh in in the in the vein of everything from interstellar clear back to 2001 where we're really building to something bizarre and it's the exact opposite yeah it was when i came out of the theater my first thought was that is the counter to 2001 where 2001 was this very ordinary uh expedition uh based on a mystery that really goes wackadoo uh, this is one where it starts with the promise of, man, your dad went looking for alien life. Something weird is happening out there. Clearly, in my mind, he had found alien life. And look out, here comes the big idea. No, no. Yeah, I and I Just really a guy that went into space and went mad because he's been on the outer limits of space for so long. There. And I really enjoyed that it sets up this um, kind of big premise. But as it goes on, it slowly narrows mm-hmm. into this inner uh, like turmoil of the main character, yeah. and like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. It kind of yeah, like it narrows in to it's the center of this father and son um, 
dynamic. And I, I really liked the, I think the messaging, I guess, of it, it's, it's pretty directly uh, at the end, it, it states that, but the, the messaging is you're so busy looking for what you want to find that you miss the beauty or the grandeur or the uh, the power and uniqueness of what's right in front of your yeah, face. Yeah, and the and people I, who are right around you. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you can find that in anything. Yeah. Uh, you can find that in the religious world. You can find that in the secular world. You can find that anywhere. People want there to be so much more. And, and they miss, there's, there's nothing wrong with pursuing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's nothing wrong with finding that, but when you take for granted or dismiss the things that are right in front of you, you miss part of that grandeur on your way to trying to find something. Bigger. Right. Uh, and that's, that's such a sad and, and I love that it explored that Yeah. in yeah, the context too. of the father son relationship in the context of duty and honor and the yeah, context and the, of, of the whole universe and space yeah. and how you fit into that grand scheme. Yeah. And, uh, while being kind of just floating in the midst of it and, yeah. and, and taking it, uh, taking it all in. Um, yeah, there was, <laughs> there was one moment that where it was almost a jump the shark moment for me was it the space baboons yes <laughs> space baboons. i hated the space baboons yeah i loved the station i love something had gone wrong the minute that door opened and a space baboon came out and it was a cg space baboon yeah i well and it was another thing where it took me a little bit to <laughs> come back from that and i after thinking about it later I was like, yeah well i mean there would probably be space baboons out, out there they're doing testing and mm -hmm. whatnot they're always doing animal testing in space to see um what um physical bodies can stand in that kind of environment but yeah it was a, a little shocking but it was like okay yeah whatever it didn't it didn't blow it for me and it just it wasn't so much the idea it was the execution yeah it was the visual i don't think was strong enough and in the setup of of him going through the station, yeah. you're, I was just expecting something totally different. And there was no hint of, you know, okay, this is a an, uh, a station they've been doing animal experimentation yeah. or any number of things they could have put in there would have made the opening the door less of a shock. Right. Because then it was just a, wait, what? Bad, oh. What? <laughs> yeah. It was such a strange out of nowhere visual. Yeah. Uh, it really ripped me out of the movie. Yeah. And again, I think that was another reason I wish I had seen it again because yeah. i knowing that's what it was like i don't think that would have taken me out of it as much yeah. the second time and i could have just looked past it i really enjoyed the moon battle yeah i really enjoyed i really like mars stuff with him trying to communicate and them trying to hold him back from that i really liked how matter of fact all that stuff yeah. was it wasn't um done in this way where it's bringing a lot of attention to it it was just like this is what's happening right now yeah. and that's how everything was like okay yeah we go to space now and it's easy we just do it all the time there was no like a lot of space movies um uh, like uh what was the one with ryan gosling that just came out um first man oh yeah where they're really building up the the power of this launch and how you how special you are to yeah be able to for go and do, do this, this thing. yeah even though i it's not in, commercialized in the context of that film i really love it because it's describing the journey yeah. of the of into space um but in this i just loved how matter of fact that like yeah we do this we're not going to bring attention to the power of of going into space yeah. it just happens no i i really enjoyed it yeah i i look forward to watching it again just because knowing where it goes 
I think I would have more time and patience along the way with yeah. what it's doing at each step. Yeah. And um, I really enjoyed Brad Pitt's performance where it was all yeah. this kind of voiced over narrative. Yeah. And uh, I, that was another thing that took me because there's basically almost no dialogue outside of that. Yeah. And uh, it'd be fun to watch it again and actually take in what he's saying because I feel like I would get more out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, I thought it was well done top to bottom. I could definitely see uh, why somebody out there would just absolutely hate and loathe this movie. Yeah. But it was it was right up my alley. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. I, I suspect it is not a movie for Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> I think I think he would sit there not. horribly offended uh, yeah. at the science on display when when Brad Pitt has to use a, a piece of satellite to launch himself through tightly densely packed uh, uh, ring matter so much. in space. I love that, yeah. but the whole time I'm like, that is not how this would work at all. Yeah, uh, but I loved it. I <laughs> I get so bummed out when I hear that he like Neil deGrasse Tyson yeah. like gives his input on the actual science yeah. of a certain movie because it's just I just I just want to be like no <laughs> come on let's just let us have our fun yeah come on it's just, Neil it's, it's movie magic yeah we're just having it's fun here magic. we're in space you don't have to tell us how we're wrong yeah. it's one thing if you've we're got not actually like trying with Interstellar, to go to space right now Christopher Nolan's using actual uh yeah theoretical physicists and all of these people consulting on them yeah okay right right give yeah. me give me your take on yeah what works and what doesn't that's interesting but at the end of the day it's a movie yeah deep breath yeah and uh i suspect that that little neil uh sat and watched star wars and loved star wars and it was star wars that propelled him towards i don't know for sure but you know no it was probably <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I lost it. Well, Ad Astra is definitely worth watching. It'll probably be on Blu-ray in two months or so. And uh, pick it up. I'm looking forward to it. Third movie. Uh, last one this evening uh, is one that's been out for a while. They don't know it's evening. It could be. It's 4 a.m. Or 2 a.m. Or 11 in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, there you threw them off. <laughs> I did. I did. I put breadcrumbs in three different directions. Mm -hmm. Follow which one ever fits your <laughs> yeah, time frame. It's actually 8.17 p.m. But where? I don't know, but I made you look <laughs> right at your phone. Like, is that true? Mind control. <laughs> yeah. Uh, third movie is um, Midsommar, which just came out on video. <laughs> Midsommar. You have to enunciate it. Because I keep hearing the people who talk about it call it Midsummer. Well, even it's, the director really calls it Midsummer. It's not Midsummer. It's Midsummer. <laughs> Say it with me. Midsummer. No. <laughs> even in the movie, it's it's Midsummer. Midsummer. But it's not as pronounced as you're doing it. Midsummer. It's fun though. Summer. Uh, so we watched this when it came out in the theater, and then did you rewatch it this week? I yeah, I actually rewatched it last night or okay. yesterday morning or. This so, afternoon. Fresh thoughts on your second viewing. Uh, what is your impression of Midsommar? <laughs> I oh, I love this film. Okay. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I came up with the analogy. It's like <laughs> looking at a beautiful painting while <laughs> pricking yourself with pens. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel the entire time, where my stomach is just getting knotted up. 
and but I'm just taking in every frame of it. I, I really love this film and really loved it. Uh, getting to watch it again, like because I really enjoyed it the first time, but like every film, you're kind of taking it in as it comes to you. So it was fun to just know what's coming and enjoy it um, each part individually. Yeah. This was one I enjoyed much more the first time. Oh, really? The first time I, I was really enjoying it, and I remember feeling a little twinge of disappointment that it didn't go crazy and supernatural at the end. There's hints that there's something actually going on there, but it's it's not like hereditary where all of a sudden crazy stuff is happening. And yeah. I, I really, really wanted to see that there's something going on here that's beyond these people, beyond this cult. Uh, beyond drugs. And the first time I remember feeling slight disappointment, I thought, well, maybe it's there. Contextually, it's there in the background. There's more of a hint of something actually going on. And so when I went into the second viewing, I was really looking for it. And I came away more disappointed mm. because they spent so much time with the hallucinogenics and the drugs that it really felt like they were pounding home. This is just a drug trip. This is people who do way too many drugs and have some really weird heritage and you know they just sacrifice people because you know they're bored and in the mountains and what else are you going to do um I, it's brilliantly shot it's well acted it's really well written it just is missing that last man i didn't really need that i didn't really I, 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 and I do actually still think it is there. It's just yeah. very subtle yeah. and I'm fine with that. And I completely got pulled into the emotion of the couple's relationship and this, this commune of people that they're uh, interacting with that I, I, I completely forgot about it this time, really. Okay. Like I didn't even need it. I, I, it was fun paying attention more to the, like I said, the relationship and, mm -hmm. um, what's the main character's name? Uh, the Christian, Christian, and, um, yeah, a little on the nose there. <laughs> yeah. Him, because where it ends up at the end, spoilers, mm -hmm. um, I, the first time I kind of felt like, was that um, deserved in the way that he's sacrificed? Um, and this time, so I was really kind of paying attention to the, his character's arc and it's there from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was, <laughs> I, I think there's some on her character too, where that relationship is a, the, he's, he's a kind of an awful person, but there's some enabling of her on him where she's allowing him to do this and they both should just break off this relationship. Okay. But, um, so it was fun to just watch it from that perspective too. And yeah. there's, and there's such a great build to the big moments of that film that mm -hmm. just the tension that I get lost in that. And so the whole idea of there being this other mystical out of, um, like, spiritual event that's happening around this uh, it wasn't as important to me this time and for me i'm still waiting right now stephen king is having a resurgence with people finally adapting his work with a fair consistency of quality uh and i'm really just i've always been waiting and i keep waiting for that moment where lovecraft and that whole mythology mm. really hits movies well and and that's tucked in there that that desire for give me something weird and rip a hole in in 
supernatural space and let's see what pours through. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I, I think that that biased me against it, this viewing. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. I think there was enough weird in that community and their rituals that that was enough for me. Yeah. That I... I I, I, like I said, I still think that they're, they are tapping into something um, and not all of it is the drug-induced yeah. thing. Yeah, I but I, I just think it's it, it didn't have to, the sky didn't have to bl- uh, break open f- for me to be satisfied. Well, and I'd like to revisit it once the extended cut comes out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really want to watch that again and then, yeah. and then see what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. Uh, now, did you like this or Hereditary better? Um, I think I... Still, I I need I honestly haven't rewatched Hereditary since I saw it in the theater with mm-hmm. you, um, which I need to. But I I think I did like Hereditary just a little bit more, um, but that might change once I rewatch it. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think they're brilliant together. I think okay. he's really on to something, and he's becoming one of my favorite directors if he continues down this path. Okay. Yeah. So in the shadow of the moon, love it or leave it. Ad Astra, definitely watch. Yeah. Midsommar, still under review. Uh, keep plugging away and see what happens there. Is that a fair yeah. summation? All yeah, right. I highly recommend Midsommar. I highly recommend yeah. Midsommar. Well. Uh, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's got some weird. I wouldn't. <laughs> There's few people I would tell to actually watch it. Yeah. yeah. Like there was to be no way in hell that I would make my wife watch it with me. Like I just know her too well, and no, I just, my it wife, gives me a panic attack. Yeah, and um, I love it for that. <laughs> my my wife left horror movies long ago. Yeah, when we first had a kid, and she was just like, "I'm I'm done with things that artificially scare me. I have too much to worry about." <laughs> yeah, Jenny, um, she enjoys certain ones. Like she loves Rosemary's Baby and mm-hmm. like The Shining and that era of horror movies. But unless she enjoys The Conjuring, which kind of taps into that. Yeah. Um, kind of filmmaking but okay. something like this where it's <laughs> genuine genuinely unsettling and trying to disturb you i would never recommend it all right well but on... to you fine listeners i will <laughs> oh you're gonna ask me the same question uh i i like hereditary better oh um <laughs> way to set me up and look like a jerk no not no no <laughs> see we've we we are we are taking two different opinions it's oh yeah that's where the real gold is. Yeah, which do you like more? I, I like Hereditary better. Now, I've watched Hereditary three times, so I've had a little more time with it. And it's also not an experience. It It's an experience traditionally that builds. Yeah. And I'm always more of a sucker for movies that build to something than movies that level out. Midsommar. I think it builds to something for sure. It builds, but like on the grand scale of things, at the end of the day... It's really just a bunch of college kids went into the mountains and didn't come back. That last scene, I think, is special. I don't know. I don't know about special. I I do love that they give them the the substance to uh, so they don't feel pain. And then the first thing the guy does when the fire hits him is scream. Uh, that you know, there's there's some special there. No, it's special. It's special. <laughs> I also I really this time around really enjoyed the music. I thought the music was great. Hereditary made me want to get up and get out of the theater. It so unsettled me. Um, it really unnerved me. Yeah. Uh, Midsommar, it, it it was disturbing, but it didn't make my skin crawl. Yeah. 
Um, I don't it, know. I don't think it was kind of like trying to do that though. Maybe I just at the beginning it did when her sister kills herself and her every or excuse me, yeah, everything and her, it, herself and her parents, yeah, yeah, everything at the beginning that it it that really bothered me. Everything about that bothered me, and so by the time you get to the end, it it had lost that. Mm. Although on my second viewing of of Midsummer. Uh, the the one character is played by the same actor that plays Cheedy in The Good Place, and so my brain at one point went into this whole this is just Ted Danson messing with <laughs> Cheedy on The Good Place, and ha 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 ha, it was fun, but uh, no, it's it's a very it's a very well done movie. I just I don't know how I feel yet. Yeah, I'm not done with it. I know that. <laughs> I am by no means done with it. Yeah, uh, I want to come back to it, but on that note. Uh, let's talk about some Halloween movies. You feel uh, like talking about some yeah. seasonal I'm going to add cinema? some uh, lightning striking, like thunder right here. <laughs> That's We should have called the podcast Seasonal Cinema. <laughs> so we only do like four, four yeah. podcasts a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so we did a little bit of prep ahead of time. Uh, and Clint and I are talking about, uh, you know, kind of comfort films. Kind of like comfort food that thing that when you're just feeling off you you go to whatever it is pizza or grandma's this or that uh but it's that food it's comfort i love food, grandma's Clint. this or that she <laughs> makes it like no other grandmother's this or that it's this or that is a very traditional recipe uh it uses a little bit of this too much margarine though yeah yeah i agree with you there it gets it gets a little rich uh but uh it it is that time of the year for horror movies not that uh, you can't throughout the year but it it is that special time of year for horror movies clint and i came up with uh we have not july 4th yes <laughs> <laughs> we've not compared notes on this uh until now we've come up with kind of our five uh comfort horror movies uh, but we agreed. We had some rules going into this, right? Yeah, we had. Some and rules. we knew that our list would be way too similar if we just used any movie. So we came up with kind of a list of holy grail horror movies. And these are not allowed to go on our list in any way. As holy... much as I wanted some of them. I know. Yeah. I, same here. Our holy grail horror movie list was The Thing. Yeah. Alien. Mm -hmm. The Shining. Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Those are off the table. We admit that they are great and that they are... They would fill up the five right there. They would fill up my five right yeah. there. Yeah. Just maybe one or two would be different between us, but The Thing, Alien, The Shining, Exorcist, and Rosemary's Baby. Good stuff. So are, are your top five beyond the Holy Grail list? Are they in any particular order? No. And I think uh, I actually have six. You have six... Clint, I didn't I'll cut one six. as I go. No, I'll add one. No. Maybe I have six too. The rules. I was going to break the rules at the end oh, of the segment man, and you're surprise, surprise you. Uh, but I was you being know. honest. Ready to go. Strike three. <laughs> no. Two. Yeah. All right. Uh, what I what I think the best way to do this? Let's just trade off. Okay. You give me one. I'll give you one. We'll go through our lists, talk about them a little bit, and uh, see where we get to. So. Your top six. <laughs> what, do you, what do you got at the top of your list? Well, I'll do my top five and we'll do an honorable mention. Does that work? Sure, sure. <laughs> so we're sticking to the rules. 
right, top five. Give me your first. Okay, one. so this could change in tomorrow, but this sure. is what came sure. up with today. My first one is Dead Alive. Oh, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Yeah, early Peter Jackson. Yeah, where the blood is just bright red, and it just gets crazier and crazier and grosser and grosser. Yeah, this I, is one of the few movies that have made me legitimately nauseous. Yeah, I I really enjoy it. It's the pus soup. Yep. Scene every time. Yeah, I just. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Bursts. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, okay. I, I, I like this one a lot. All right. Uh, my my first one on my list is Cabin in the Woods. Oh. Yeah, which I just, um, I don't know that it's the greatest. Yeah. I don't even know if it's a horror movie, uh, but it plays in the horror genre, and I love how it plays with everything. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. I somehow can watch it over and over and revisit it, and I, I never seem to get tired of it. It can just go on in the background, and... Again, not exactly a horror movie. Uh, it's just yeah, it it's the horror movie tropes. Plays in the, yeah. the horror movie tropes, and yeah. I just I love its subversion, and I, I love some of its ideas. Yeah. So that's a uh, again comfort horror. Yeah. Not exactly, you know. Yeah, horror. these aren't for serious scares. No. Well, yeah. some of them are. Well, I got one. Mine on aren't really. I got one. Yeah. But go ahead. What's okay. your next one? Uh, my next one is Shaun of the Dead. Oh, Shaun of the Dead. I yeah. totally forgot about that movie. Yeah, that's one I can put on in the background. Right. doesn't even have to be around Halloween. And night. it gets surprisingly serious yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah, the turn in the bar at the end <sighs> is always kind of Rough. yanks at my heartstrings a little yeah. bit. But uh, yeah, it's great. Simon yeah. Pegg. All right. Yeah. Uh, on on that same or in that same kind of line of thinking, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh yeah. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I I'm pretty sure I could watch once a week, and I'd be okay. Yeah. I, there's something about uh, a group of college kids thinking that uh, these just lovely men are are murderous hillbillies, and the the uh, the lovely hillbilly men thinking that this is some suicide cult of college kids. <laughs> It just never gets old. Yeah. Running from bees and impaling on trees and falling into wood chippers. And uh, that's the stuff, Clint. <laughs> that's the stuff right there. That's the stuff. Just like grandma's this or that, that's the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Too much margarine, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number three. Um, my third is Evil Dead 2. Oh. I could have probably picked Evil Dead 1, but 2, I feel like encapsulates that just everything that he's trying to do in those three films two feels more complete yeah it feels like a more complete yeah. idea i do appreciate mm -hmm. one for just how like done on a shoestring budget mm -hmm. and just how they pulled that off um but two yeah feels mm -hmm. more complete and I, I really enjoy that film all right uh, my third is silence of the lambs going a little serious oh now. yeah silence of the lambs uh it fills me with such dread when I watch yeah. it. Yeah. And it always surprises me mm -hmm. because I know exactly how the movie's going to go. And it's 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 the more, of all the movies on my list, it's probably the most traditional film, the most Hollywood. Yeah. But by the end, when she's walking through the house in the dark and he's watching her with night vision. Yeah. It, it just, oh, I want to claw my way out <laughs> of my seat. Yeah. And get away from that scene. Uh, and as, as far as serial killers go and kind of that serial killer chase, uh, it's, it still stands up as, as one of the better. Oh, it's great. I just rewatched it. Oh, did you? Yeah. I got the criterion edition <sighs> that they just put out and yeah, nice. it's such a great movie. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what is fourth on your list? 
Uh, my fourth is I just actually rewatched this the other night, kind of had in the background while working on some things. But the Brood, the Brood, the Brood. Oh, like Cronenberg. Yeah, Cronenberg's The Brood. I haven't seen that in forever. Oh, rewatch The Brood. It is immensely strange, <laughs> and the things that it dives into is just great body horror. Okay. And uh, it's great. And a movie that builds towards something for sure. Yeah. If you want that, it's... yeah. I just need a night of Cronenberg. Oh I yeah, need to revisit... I could have filled my list with Cronenberg, and I like most of my like I have a giant list here, and I picked out my top five, yeah. and there's like five Cronenberg films on here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, my my fourth was Get Out. Uh, it's another recent one. A lot yeah. of mine are, are newer. Uh, Get Out. I could just. I could talk for an hour about that movie. Yeah. Uh, every time I watch it, I enjoy it a little bit more. I love everything it's doing. I think it works as a horror movie. I think it works as something that has a supernatural element to it. Uh, that's not outspoken, but it's there. I think it, it just, it works on so many levels, satire, mm-hmm. cultural commentary. Uh, it's a very timely film. Yeah. Um, and just everything, writing ideas, performances, cinematography, music, just top to bottom. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. All right. Yeah. Number, um, number five. Clint. Number five is Dawn of the Dead, the original one from the 70s. Yeah. Now, this is a movie that's faded for me. Really? It feels more and more dated every time I go back to it. Yeah. I recognize, you know, its importance, but what what is it that keeps you kind of latched on to it? I I really love that time period in mm-hmm. um, horror. The, the more it, the cheese that... <laughs> more mold that grows on that cheese i (laughs) i just didn't love it more i don't know why um it just becomes more fun yeah dawn of the dead yeah now i'm assuming that does not include the remake dawn of the dead that was speedy and on cocaine and no that's the Zack snyder version is that who did that yeah i believe so huh there wasn't a lot of slow motion in it (laughs) no i didn't mean that (laughs) wasn't trying to be derogatory it just i okay i somehow had not connected that that i'm was pretty a, sure it's Zack snyder like that was his one like breakout i think huh yeah all right yeah sure maybe i'm wrong no you're probably not okay i'm wrong all right so that's yeah. your number five yeah all right my number five uh this is the one i i had alluded to earlier uh still i i can't watch the whole thing anymore <laughs> um annihilation and oh, I know that's super sci-fi. Yeah, it's yeah. It really, it bothered me the first time I watched it. Yeah. Three distinct points, really bothered me. And every time I've gone back, I have to stop it in the middle, take a break, and then start again. It just, at at some very deep level, just does things in my brain that uh, that are not comfortable. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of it's being out of control of your own body. Uh, a lot of it's something growing inside, or a lot of it's just uh, biological horror. Uh, but oof, yeah, and especially up to the encounter with the creature at the end, uh, which is I love pressing. That. Yeah, uh, love that so it's so claustrophobic. Yeah, uh, I even, even even sitting here thinking about it, <laughs> I am getting nauseous and chilled and. Oh man, Oof. I could live in that space. I, I love those moments in that film. And I, I didn't even register to me as horror because I just no. can always think of it as sci-fi. Yeah. But it definitely is. Yeah, it, it has horror. And, and that's if, sure. if I was if I was building like straight terror, 
my my list of the scariest movies ever, that would honestly be my number one. Yeah. That did things to me no other movie ever has. Really? Uh, it just, yeah. like, even talking, like, I'm feeling fear talking about that movie. <laughs> just at th- the thought of, I'm going to have to leave the room and somebody's going to have it on and I have to watch it or something. I don't, wow. I don't know what it is. It's like a... I kind of, yeah, I kind of put that with under the skin Mm -hmm. where under the skin gives me the same kind of feeling. And (laughs) I just love any time a film can enact, like get that kind of emotion out of me that I just, I'll come back to it time and time again. Okay. So your top five were, let's kind of go through them. Dead Alive, Shaun of the Dead, what we, um, Evil Dead 2, The Brood and Dawn of the Dead. That's a good list. All right. Yeah. And mine is uh, Get Out, Cabin in the Woods, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, Silence of the Lambs, and Annihilation. So that's a good top five. Let me hear your honorable mentions. My honorable mention, I, I um, have, and this could have just been in, in the top five, um, but what we do in the shadows, um, the uh, not the series, but mm-hmm. the, the show. I, mean, I, I, I love have that series, on my honorable mentions, too. Even though I do love the series, but yeah, yeah I, I, I watched that over and over it's, it's it so cracks wonderful. me up every time it's wonderful yeah it's pure joy for yeah. me it's it's film vacation yeah it's just it's the equivalent of ah i just love it yeah all right what have, have you checked out the series yet? not yet oh, i keep trying to get you'll to it. love it you'll like it it's it's on hulu now yeah. and it's i find it just, as I just enjoyable. need to carve out the time yeah but it's already on my list yeah so. it's one that you'll probably come back to often kind mm-hmm. of like the office or something right. it's really fun what else you got um, well, I, I got a giant list here, so. I'll just rattle them. <laughs> I got Candyman, Ooh, which could have been in the Man, top I five. That, yeah. I, that's one I come back to frequently. It holds up, too. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. And the things it's dealing with are still interesting and yeah. relevant. Um, Eraserhead, um, which you don't typically think of as a horror movie, but it really is a, it is. this overtone yeah. of darkness the whole time. And there's well, just, and by the time you get to that baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Um Antichrist. Mm. Um Hereditary and Midsummer. Uh Carnival of Souls. Have you ever seen Carnival? I've never seen Carnival of Souls. I've heard plenty about it, but I've never... Yeah, I had heard things about it and um that was another one where I got the Criterion channel. It was on there and I decided to throw it on one night and I was really interested in it. It's just got this weird eeriness to it there's this really beautiful creepy organ mm-hmm. um soundtrack there's just organ and it's just over the entire thing and it just gives this weird okay. feeling to the whole thing and i i, I thought it was really great um, i'll have to watch it yeah it's and it's just beautiful like black and white from okay. that time period okay um under the skin like i just said i have under the skin on my list too yeah uh, a tale of two list. sisters Oh, I forgot. That's yeah. Korean horror. Yeah. I forgot about that one. There, I could have probably had a top five of Korean yeah, horror. I totally forgot. Uh, it Follows. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good one. The Devil's Backbone. Oh, man. Mothman Prophecies. Hmm. The Ring. Even though I have never rewatched The Ring since we saw it in the theater, but it had such an impact on me. I think that... it holds up. I remember it really creeped us out. Yeah, that wow. is probably what set off my love for horror. Like really? seeing that, like it was like, oh man, a movie can do this to me. Yeah. Okay, I'm sold. It really made me that again. Going back, that was a really uncomfortable feeling where you just have that sense of dread. Yeah, um, Mulholland Drive, Videodrome, <laughs> yeah. Mother, Mother, Mother. 
I love Mother. No yeah. one else seems to. I love you Mother. And I, Clint, but yeah. man, that movie. Yeah, love that one. Uh, Scanners uh, comes at night. Mm. Insidious, the first one. Yeah, even though I enjoy the second one, but the Did first it? one um, and the double. Ah, the double. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah. All right, that's a good list. Uh, I have Under the Skin and What We Do in the Shadows. Those were overlap. Hereditary I had on there. Uh, Babadook. Uh, oh, yeah. Which, you know, is all the rage the last two years. But that also really unsettled me. Yeah, that kid um, yeah. did number. I, I thought it was a wonderfully made movie, but yeah. that kid just destroyed me. Yeah. Uh, the Fly, Cronenberg's The Fly. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, which we've talked about before. The Endless, which is a, a nice little low-budget um yeah, that's uh, yeah. That was the one we were talking very, about. Very, very Lovecraft, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and I think it's on. It's somewhere right now. It's either Amazon Prime or Netflix. You can watch it somewhere for near free. I think it's uh, Netflix. It's well worth it. Yeah, it's got a little bit of humor. It's got a little bit of horror. It's got a little bit of everything. Uh, the Mist. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> the the more recent Mist. Yeah. Uh, just just for that ending alone, the movie itself is pretty good. Um, it could use some better effects, I, uh, but man, that ending. I rewatched that maybe last year or something, yeah. and that ending just sticks out like a Thor's a Thor, really a Thor, a Thor thumb. thumb? A Thor, Thor does Thor's have. thumb, yeah. <laughs> he it's can very throw strong it and it comes thumb, back to yeah. yeah. It's just it. I feel like it didn't doesn't mesh no. with the rest of that film. Oh wow, well, I just yeah, man, it's it's a gut punch every time, yeah. and it it makes me discomfort laugh. Where I'm so uncomfortable and it's so dark and it's so cruel to its characters yeah. that it, it makes me laugh out of discomfort. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, I had already mentioned what we do in the shadows. So I think, yeah, the mist under the skin, hereditary, what we do in the shadows, Babadook, the fly and the endless. For some reason, I thought the fly was on our uh, Holy Grail list. Yeah, I did too. But That's then when cool. I noticed it wasn't up there, yeah, I think it was because we had talked about that in in one of our earlier episodes. Yeah. We had talked about the fly as horror so much that right, right. I think it just felt like it was there. But yeah, I would I would put the fly yeah, on the Holy would, Grail list. Yeah, um, it's just it's so good. Yes, it's great. It's so good. Yeah. All right. Any other horror movies jump to mind? <sighs> I could happen? probably make another thirty. List, like 30 movies yeah. list but uh not off the top of my head all right yeah. all right so I, I guess that brings us to the end of everything you uh you happy with that anything else you want to talk about no i think we covered everything we plan to cover all right now this week we're also going to give a shot at doing an episodic uh kind of mini podcast uh taking a look at the first episode of watchmen uh that's that's a series we're going to be watching quite closely yeah watching watchmen watchmen Watch. and if it <laughs> What you watching? I think. What you watchmen about? <laughs> I think we should call it the men who watch Watchmen. The men who watch Watchmen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if it the podcast just fails miserably, you won't yeah. hear anything else about it. No. So yeah. who cares? We're gonna have fun. So I don't care about your opinion. Yeah. Don't give me your opinion. Yeah, shut up, Jeff. <laughs> hey, Jeff. <laughs> Who's Jeff? Just Jeff and Jeff and jerk. Sandra. That's who. Yeah, Sandra and, and Jeff Sandra teaming and Jeff. up. Uh, yeah, they can get out. She always says, call me Sandra. No, it, we say Sandra. Sandra. Yeah. Okay, that's what we're going to call you. Sandra. <laughs> All right. This has been uh, Cinebabble Episode 2. Uh, happy Halloween. Enjoy those horror movies. Bye.
Ooh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>